You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Rewind Football Fantasy. Fantasy Football Rewind. Welcome, everybody. Hour three of Fantasy Rewind right here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. I like this whole back and forth that you and Kevin Walsh have got going here. Kevin Walsh behind the glass in the dungeon running the show tonight. We've hit all the highlights. We've done the studs and the ducks. A little bit more news to get to. The Jags confirm. I just want to update everybody again. Allen Robinson out. 2017 season out. Another torn ACL, another one bites the dust. You could just put a shelf together of all the guys and all of their ACLs. Kevin White's. Ooh, what? Looks like Kevin White's out too. For the year. Collarbone. No, yeah. not for the year. For the year with a collarbone? I mean, what was that 10 see, weeks? It's, uh, I believe he, season, ending, season ending surgery. Oh, stop. For the, for the Bears, so now they've lost their number one and two receivers. Oh, st- another year of Kevin White playing one game. Is yep. it like average per season? You know what? You know what? All right, look. You know what? You you got what you deserve. All right. If you put any stock into Kevin White just based on talent alone, you're crazy. There's no way you can go and put any kind of draft stock unless we're talking like almost like a dart throw to the very end of the draft. And that's and and after Cam Merrith got hurt, that's not where he was going. He moved up a couple notches there. And I couldn't believe what I was seeing in some drafts where he was going up there, moving up on the fantasy football calculator. The guy is barely played. I mean, what? <sighs> I mean, maybe so, some people just aren't built for the NFL physically or is it just bad luck, Dan? Like, what is it at this point? I I don't even know. You're I, supposed to have all the prone, answers. If I go to you for a question, but you the have injury every answer. prone tag is tough, especially in a sport like football, where it's such a devastating sport. But yeah, it seems like some players are more fragile than others. Ooh, uh, they ooh, just I are. did this. This is fun. You'll like this, okay? Because you like semantics. You're a semantics guy, right? I was talking about the I, difference I between. I'm also a jerk, so yes. Well, but that's then my favorite type of people: <laughs> semantic jerks. So. um... The difference between injury prone and injury plagued, and I finally, finally won an argument with Jake Seeley using this this terminology. The difference is injury prone is a guy who has like Steven Strasburg, right, in baseball. Sorry, sorry, football guys, just using it as an example. He's a guy that has chronic arm issues and he's a pitcher. He is prone to arm issues. There's something wrong with him. Elbow, shoulder, every it's always going to be something with him. Then there's injury plagued, which was, you know, players who you know, tweak a knee one year and then, you know, it's a toe the next or then, you know, somebody, you know, they get hit on the hand and get a wrist. It's just bad luck. I think there's a difference between these kind of things. Now, in football, it's a little different because we're talking about the physical stamina to keep up with some of the the contact, which is just outrageous nowadays. They're so big, so strong, so fast. I mean, maybe just some guys aren't built for it, Dan. I, I think more and more, many of them won't be built for it. You know, like, it, it will become a, a different sport as time goes on. I did see the new helmets, though. They, those look encouraging, so hopefully that'll take effect pretty soon. All right, we're going to hit a break. When we come back, John Love, Football Dyers, the Gridiron Scalo joins us. Don't want to miss this. Stick around. We'll be right back.
yeah, baby. Welcome back. It's a Fantasy Football Rewind. Joe Pizapia, Dan Stratford. Week one is, well, not quite in the books yet. We've got a couple games left Sunday, Monday, and night here as we are turning the page, though. And you can't really turn the page until we get certain fantasy experts take on the week that was. You know him from his work at Football Diehards. You know him from many appearances on the Fantasy Black Book Show and a host of other shows here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. He's the one, the only, the gridiron scholar, John Lobb. Johnny boy, happy football to you. How's it going, my friend? I had a fantastic day because you know why? I was not Chuck Pagano or Bill O'Brien. <laughs> these, these two guys, how are they getting a paycheck? Did you hear this? After in the press conference, Chuck Pagano said we just got our butt kicked by the 49ers. Dude, <laughs> you are in Los Angeles. You have, you have spent the entire summer wow. planning for one game against the Rams. What is wrong with you? I mean, does this guy deserve a coach? And let's not mention how bad his actual team is. I mean, that's a whole other story. And then, come on, Bill O'Brien, what have you been drinking all summer? Anyone who has an eyeball knows that Deshaun Watson is a better player than Tom Savage. You decide to start Savage, who's a bum, and then you bench him at the halftime to put the kid in. What is wrong with you? So no matter how bad your DFS day was, it is better than Chuck Pagano and Bill O'Brien. Who gets fired first? Pagano. you got to get fired first. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, at this point, I can't believe he's lasted as long as he has there. I know he's a good dude, but, you know, at a certain point, you know, oh, things are things are definitely going south there. All right, so let's 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 go through it. Let's let's start with week one and let's break this down and, and let's get your take on it. First and foremost, what's the biggest surprise from this first week here? And actually, you know what? Before I even get to that, I'm going to I'm going to ask you the same question that I started the show with here. I think that so much lackluster you know, play in week one because the preseason is such a cluster because this whole extended four weeks of the preseason, that fourth game, nobody plays. So basically it's like coming off a bye week and a lot of these teams come out flat. A lot of these teams don't have a good rhythm coming into the games and it shows week one football. The last couple of years has been awful and I'm of the mind. You play the two weeks in preseason, John, you let them play a quarter of all the starters, then let them play the first half, and then you start playing week one and let them go through that way. Do you think that would help the play or the, the level of play heading into the first week of the season and improve it a little? Look, I agree with you. I try not to be a curmudgeon, but, you know, I've been watching football for 40 years, and it is so bad the first week of the season. I mean, Something has to change. Obviously, the four preseason games in which basically they take that last game off. You just got, you know, the third stringers and maybe a couple guys trying to fight for the taxi squad. But, man, I'm watching that whole, you know, the first hour and a half, and it's just so obvious the rhythm and the timing of the offenses is not there. I mean, hopefully by week three. I mean, I really think from a macro perspective – that's my first thought was the football was terrible today. Now, part of it may be the limited practice time. I know that the NFL Players Association and the contract 
with the league. They don't practice as much. They don't hit as much. But so, so I agree with you, Joe. Something's got to be done. Maybe two preseason, preseason games and let's go because it is really bad football the first week of the season. John, uh, I'd really like for you to up the energy a little bit here. Um, I don't think you're bringing enough, enough passion to, to the show. I, first of all, great to talk to you. And as uh, you build on that, talking about uh, what the NFL does leading into regular season, you've been on with Joe on the Fantasy Black Book. You've been on the network. Uh, what do you take away from this transition into finally having football and making sound fantasy decisions and not overreacting because I think we only have what 14 weeks typically depending on your league maybe you go the full season you play all the way up to the last week of the year we got to make bold decisions but also make them soundly and quickly uh, to make sure we're not behind uh, everybody else in the league and we're all of a sudden 0 and three how are you using what you saw in the preseason what you planned for week one what you got from week one to move forward yeah the first thing I try to do is clearly not overreact so let's say you had Kirk Cousins or Andy Dalton, you know, maybe in a two-quarterback super flex, or you waited to the very end, and they were not very good today. I am not going to panic and go out and get a Jared Goff or, you know, maybe a Joe Flacco. I'm not going to overreact. I feel like my analysis in the offseason was good. I do believe the Bengals will turn it around, so I would keep, you know, Andy Dalton. And, you know, despite Kirk Cousins really being off, I mean – to me, I watched that game in detail because I started him on a bunch of teams. There, the rhythm was definitely not there. Now, part of it was not having a running game for the Redskins. I think that's being overlooked. So you can't go out and get Alex Smith, pick him all, up off the waiver wire, and cut Kirk Cousins. You have to feel good about your analysis that I'm going to stay at least for two games with the guys who I like. Yeah, I agree with that. All right, let's talk about Joe Mixon, not the – not exactly the Kareem Hunt debut, that's for damn sure. Uh, nine yards on eight carries, right? Is that what it was there? Not uh, not a strong showing from him. But this is what I've been saying all along. I think it's going to take him a little while between, you know, battling through the other guys ahead of him there with whether it be Bernard or Hill. I think this is going to go well into October, which to me means Mixon is prime trade real estate in the next couple weeks would you be wanting to get in on that would you be one of the teams trying to buy low on Mixon if this should be the path and let's say by week three it's still looking kind of eh, mediocre we're talking like 10 touches a game and just anticipating that the second half can bring a much much bigger haul in terms of production absolutely and I think it's the type of well he's the type of player right now if you had Tariq Cohen or you grab someone, you know, like Nelson Aguilar, you could probably reach out to the desperate Joe Mixon owner who's really pulling their hair out, and especially since there were so many good rookies who showed you something the first, you know, game of the season, the first weekend, that you might be able to get them. Now, you're going to have to be patient because I think Marvin Lewis is loyal to Jeremy Hill and Giovanni Bernard, and he's going to give him touches at least in the foreseeable future, maybe three or four games. But I would definitely be trying to buy Mixon right now at a low price. What do you make of uh, the, these situations where you have injuries cropping up, the Allen Robinsons, guys who are going to be out for a while? Do you chase after depth there? Do you chase a, you know, a Didi or do you go off back after an Allen Hearns? Like, how are you handling these severe injuries that are happening across the NFL? 
you know, it, football is so difficult because you have, let's say you have 14 regular season games. And if I lose a key player for more than eight weeks, I usually would cut that player, unless it's like a Le'Veon Bell or we hear about David Johnson. Obviously, they're outliers. But any, almost anyone outside of the first two rounds that I drafted, I'm very willing to get rid of them if I hear they're out for two months. Look, it is too long. The leagues are too competitive. Every game means too much. I need a player who I can plug into my lineup that I feel good about and that I have some options, you know, if I have another injury in week three, because it's so quick. If you're trying to stash an injured player, the next thing you know, you can have three or four injuries, you know, at the beginning of week four, and you're in really in big trouble. So I'm very active on the waiver wire getting rid of injured players. All right, Corey Davis uh, was getting involved in some action and looked good in uh, some limited attempts over there with the Tennessee Titans. I- I'm very high on Corey Davis. I think this is a guy, I mean, you know, people were basically saying, oh, there's no way he can contribute early on, having missed so much of the preseason. But he's showing you just what kind of athlete, just what kind of football player he is. Is Corey Davis this kind of guy who's going to, when all said and done, be in that conversation of a wide receiver one? Is he that kind of talent, and can Mariota get that out of him in 2017? He's clearly got the athletic ability to be an elite player in the NFL. Now, I watched that game today, and I was very impressed with the young man. I had picked up Rashard Matthews on a bunch of DFS teams. I had played him in some of my deep leagues where you, you know, have two flex positions and start three receivers. And while Matthews was good, I was surprised that Corey Davis was so active You know, he was injured in the preseason. You know, he didn't even run at the Combine earlier in January because he had injuries. To come out in week one to catch six passes for 69 yards, he really impressed me. You know, I think that Tennessee, that receiving core is very diversified with Walker, Matthews, Davis. Eric Decker only had three catches for 10 yards. But I do believe by the end of the year, Corey Davis is going to be the top receiver on that in that passing game. Yeah, I mean, that whole grouping, too. you got uh, Rashard Matthews, who played well there. I think it's going to take a little while for Decker to you know, really get up to speed there. It was good to see Delaney Walker healthy. Really, it becomes about DeMarco Murray and whether or not he's healthy to, to really continue on here because it's not the best start for DeMarco Murray. We know he was kind of limping into this game with an injury, but we'll see what happens. All right, we're talking with John Lobb. We're going to keep him here for the next segment, pick his brain some more about the week that was in the NFL. You're listening to the Fantasy Rewind Show. Dan Strafford, Joe Pizzapia, John Lobb joining us, Football Diehard. Stick around, more fantasy football goodness. When we return, we'll be right back after this. Welcome back, everybody. It's the Fantasy Football Rewind on Fantasy Sports Radio Network. I'm Joe Pizzapia. That beautiful son of a bitch over there is Dan Strafford. And this good-looking, smart fellow with the glasses, well, you can't see him because it's radio. But you can imagine. You can imagine. And you can follow him on Twitter and look at his handsome avatar, Gridiron Skull 91 because he's the Gridiron Scholar. John Law from Football Die Hard. So, John, obviously there were some some good things to talk about. I think we've we've done a lot of complaining, which is which is good. I mean, that's 
I mean, if you can't do the rewind show and complain, then then what the hell is the point? Uh, let's talk a little bit about some of the surprises here. Let's talk about Austin Hooper. We talked about him earlier. Two catches for 128 at that one huge touchdown. Yeah, this is tough because as a fantasy owner, if you had Hooper and you started him, you're loving it, right? But you have to be a, a little concerned because, you know, he had that one big play. And to me, I think this is a, a situation where he's going to become grossly overvalued and overrated because there were some people high on him and everything broke his way in this game. He had that one big touchdown. But the fact that it wasn't a lot of volume going his way in this offense, I think Austin Hooper right now is a little bit of a mirage. What do you think? You know, I watched that game a lot. And, you know, it looked the Bears were playing close. And then Hooper had, had no catches and I had him you know, on the bench. I was like, hey, maybe I made the right decision benching him today. And then all of a sudden he gets open. They throw that long pass. He stiff arms the guy, the you know, the defender, and he gets into the end zone. But if you look at the box score closely, that's an 88-yard touchdown for a tight end. That is not very normal. I would love to know. I was trying to find out how many tight ends have scored touchdowns over 85, 88, yeah, 85 yards in the last 10 years. It might only be a handful. And he only had two targets. So I do, you know, it might be a mirage. You've got, we got to see this closely. Does he get an uptick into targets next week? I mean, Mohamed Sanu had nine targets. Um, Kevin Coleman had six. Julio Jones shockingly only had five. And then there's Hooper at the bottom. So you can't expect fantasy production when you keep getting only two targets a game. So I was able to find quickly that Zach Miller's 87-yard uh, TD uh, in 2015 was the, the longest since 1999. So should be a uh, wow. good company there for Austin Hooper. Nice so, nugget. Well done, um, Strafford. Well that done, was awesome. Uh, is, My God. That's how I roll. He's uh, good. He's good, John. You know, He's good. I don't take just anybody here. <laughs> so, John, I, I, I want to go to Carolina where a lot of people were very high on Christian McCaffrey. You heard the, the great coach speak or, or beat writer saying, oh, he has his own playbook. Sure, whatever. Yeah, they're going to design an entire playbook for Christian McCaffrey. But whatever, I digress. Um, you see a good showing uh, by Stewart and by McCaffrey. Like You had uh, receptions for both. Stewart actually got uh, out in the flat, got, got his hands on the ball uh, in the air, which is not something we saw a ton of him throughout the years. How do you break down that backfield? Do you see both being viable and part of your planning moving forward, uh, or do you think it, it is Christian McCaffrey's job in the long range that Stewart will cede to him as the season goes on? I really believe this is exactly what the Carolina Panthers want to do. I mean, you had Stewart with 18 carries, McCaffrey with 13. I think they like that balance. And then you look in, the, you know, McCaffrey's a better receiver. You know, we ended up with seven targets and five receptions. Stewart was only targeted twice, had two catches, and he got that touchdown. Now that touchdown could have easily have gone for McCaffrey, and that kind of flipped the script. But I really think they're both flex options the rest of the year until, you know, knock on wood, one or the other gets injured so that the other can gain a larger share of the plays in the backfield. But I really think this is what you're going to get. It's going to depend on who gets the touchdown on any given week. But I think it's really a a classic running back by committee. I think they're both flex options. And in PPR, maybe McCaffrey's a better flex option. 
All right, let's talk about uh, Terrence West, who is now the, the last man standing <laughs> in the Baltimore backfield. Ah! Uh, you know, it didn't take long for Danny Woodhead to get hurt with the hamstring again. It didn't take long for, you know, Danny Amendola to get hurt. There's certain things that you could just count on the NFL season that certain guys are going to go down. And, you know, Woodhead was certainly one where I, I didn't own any shares in this year as much as I love Danny Woodhead. It's just too risky to, to get him where he was going, even where he was going. But I do own a ton of Terrence West. And I said before in the first hour of the show, we were doing some hot takes. And I said, you know, if you look at the running back landscape, it wouldn't shock me if Terrence West somehow cracked that RB1, that very, very bottom tier when all said and done, just because of the volume and the way that they're going to have to rely on the running game in this offense with Joe Flacco being, as Dan likes to call it, sarcastically elite. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, I think Terrence West, he's going to be like Isaiah Crowell. When he scores a touchdown, you're going to be exceedingly happy. Mm-hmm. Now, in PPR leagues, Terrence West probably doesn't have as much value as he does in standard leagues. Now, what I'm very interested in, and I'm going to put some waiver wire bids on him, and I'm interested to see how much he goes through for with Fab. Javorius Allen had 21 carries in this game. Now, the game script went perfect. The Ravens had a big lead, and they just grounded the Bengals, you know, to the ground with their offensive line and the running game. But Allen, two years ago, he was a very good PPR running back. So I'm going to put some bids in for Allen if I play in a PPR league. And then, yes, I agree. West is probably a weekly starter for the short term, Joe. As we build towards uh, week number two, uh, we have Carson Palmer uh, staring down the, I don't want to say barrel because it's not imposing, uh, the wide open <laughs> arms of the Indianapolis Colts defense. Um, I'm, I'm a believer that Palmer's done. I know Palmer had a great end to last year. I know that he has the weapons there. The DJ injury scares me, but also I think Palmer's just reached the end of the road. Uh, but this seems like a prime matchup. If you're somebody who's streaming quarterbacks, and Palmer maybe is somebody you drafted with luck and, and you're waiting for luck to come back. Do you pull the trigger again on Palmer here with the matchup that seems to be too good to be true? Or, or do you think that Palmer has seen the best days and it may be time to find somebody else off the waiver wire? Joe, I've been pretty lucky this year. I did not draft Carson Palmer in any of my 23 season long leagues. I was not, he was not one of the players I was interested in. I didn't like him. I didn't put him in my DFS lineup. So I got a little bit lucky. Now, watching that game, I thought he looked awful. But I think the whole offense was very much out of sync. Going back to when Joe and I spoke earlier in the segment, there was definitely a problem with the Arizona Cardinals offense. I thought they never could get the running game going. Palmer is most effective when he's working off play action with David Johnson. Look, he's 37 years old, 15 years in the league. I personally would not be interested in playing Carson Palmer next week against the Indianapolis Colts. To me, you're just setting yourself up for failure. I'm not playing him. I got to say, it's super tempting, though, especially because so many people apparently were on him this week. And when he was bad and you know how that's going to scare everybody away and people don't want to get burned twice. I don't know. I got to say, I think I might have one Carson Palmer lineup just because, because I think that's, you know, that's the way I think like early season NFL seems to be going. Every time you think something's a lock, it just goes completely the other way until, 
you know, it takes a couple of weeks before the season kind of writes itself. All right, John, before we let you go here, tell us where you throw money week one. Is it Hearns? Is it Tariq Cohen? I know you already mentioned Allen as a guy, but where should we be throwing our fab uh, when we hit Wednesday here before uh, transactions run? I agree with you. The number one pickup, and it's going to probably cost you a lot of money, is definitely Tariq Cohen of the Bears. Look it. Right now, the Bears, you talked about it earlier when I was listening to the show, Kevin White's out, you know. They literally don't have any receivers. Cohen looked, you know, spry. He looked energetic. He had energy, and he definitely is a good pass catcher. So I think he's the number one guy. And believe it or not, the guy who I'm kind of interested in is Marlon Mack. You know, I had a lot of interest in that game. I wanted to see Todd Gurley. I had the Rams defense. And look at, I understand Frank Gore is Frank Gore. He's an all-time great. But when I saw Mac in that game, Mac brought energy to the running game. Now, that was a little lucky. He got the goal line carry, so he scored the touchdown. But he had a catch for 24 yards. He had a nice run. I think Mac is a sneaky play. You can pick him up, I think, much cheaper than a Tariq Cohen this week. Yeah, I agree with that, too. Marlon Mack was one of those guys, especially in some of the, the deeper leagues and the dynasty leagues, I kept telling people, throw a throw a dart on him late because I like what I saw to him in college. I know some people think he's, you know, a little bit of a head case and whatnot, but, you know, we've seen guys like that excel in the NFL before, and Mack does have that ability to break runs. And look, you know, at a certain point, Frank Gore and company, they've, they're going to have to move on from that and start looking to the future. And if Pagano goes, they're going to want to start evaluating the talent. And the only way to evaluate the talent is to get them the ball and see what's going on. John, we love you. Thanks for joining us on the program tonight. And hopefully John's going to join us every Sunday, God willing, on the program because <laughs> uh, he's just the kind of energy burst we need at 10 o'clock at night here on the East Coast time. So we, uh, we love having you on, John. Hopefully week two will be kind to you as well. And we'll talk to you next week. All right, my brother? Excellent, gentlemen. I'd love to come on. I'll come on all season. I can't wait. There you go, baby. We got our crew here. We got the team. We got Lob. We got Stratford. We got Walsh. I mean, really, we're all set already. All right. We are going to, uh, well, before we hit a break here, let's. Uh, well, I do. I do want to say, Joe, when you're talking about Frank Gore there and talking about yeah. President Palmer, oh, yeah. I feel like no, we're going to have please. to have a conversation soon where I we like uh, in trouble talk about them going. No, 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 no. Uh, no. We're going to have to have a conversation, have to, you know, Joe, you and I. Because they're going to go to the to the farm in upstate New York, you know, when when their their playing days are over. Daddy, where did Carson Palmer go? Listen, son. What do you mean? Where's Listen. Frank Gore going? He, Daddy, he went to he went to a farm to throw footballs all day long. But I had up Frank in upstate Gore New York. Since, Everything's fine. But I had Frank Gore. Frank Gore's going to be fine. He's going to be fine. Frank Gore. You're just you're just not going to be able to see him anymore. That's all. He's got. He's fine. Can I, he's fine. Can he's I get he's, a he's with Grammy him? now. What does that mean? What do you mean? Where's Where's Gammy? I, I mean, she's in that form too. What a great song to play. <laughs> oh, we are not done yet. We're going to start looking ahead to the Monday night game previews. Also, get you updated on Sunday night football and start looking ahead to week two. You're listening to the Fancy Football Rewind right here on the Fancy Sports Radio Network. Welcome back, everybody. This is the Fantasy Football Rewind. Joe Fizapia with you, Dan Strafford. Great stuff from John Lobb. Go give him a follow on Twitter at the Gridiron Skull. That's Gridiron Skull, S-C-H-O-L-91. He's good people, and he loves some football. I mean, I, 
I want to love anything the way John loves football. Like, I just, you know, I just want to love something that much in my life. My children, I love that much. But besides that, you're supposed to love your children that much. But besides that, I'd like to feel nah. about something the way John feels about football. There's some He's really so... crappy children out there. <laughs> this is true. Mine are great. I love mine. Mine are terrific. Yeah. Oh, I'm. Yeah. I don't want. I, but, I wasn't but saying yeah, that. Yeah. There are no. There are some crappy children. Oh, I've seen them. Oh, oh, I've seen them, Dan. Let me tell you, they're all over the place. Gotta stay away from those kids. All right, let's uh, get you updated here. Sunday night football. Another one of these classic barn burner games from the. Uh, <laughs> From the New York Amazing. Giants and Dallas Cowboys, 16-3, fourth quarter right now with uh, 13 and change left to play in this one. Prescott, 217 in a touchdown. Eli Manning, 129 in this one. Paul Perkins, get this, Dan. We can add him to the duds. Seven carries for 16 yards, eh? Huh? Huh? How about that Arlene's Darkwa? Three for 14 so far. Nah? Hmm? You like that? Well, the entire Giants uh, offense is the dud. Uh, yeah, where, where are the Brandon Marshall targets? Where are I don't they? know. Like, well, how? He's not all. Zero. Zero. And OBJ, and I kept saying this, too. Like, if you want Brandon Marshall to have a good game, you better hope OBJ plays. Beckham didn't play. He did wear the leopard jacket. Uh, he did travel with the team. I saw him with the... It was like an animal print blazer or jacket coat kind of thing. So he showed up. He was rocking out the fashion. He went around on the field, decided he couldn't play, but it was good that he took the trip, you know, with the team. That's nice to support his teammates. And, uh, yeah, the bashing will continue for a couple weeks here. You, uh, yeah, you just really oh, hate o- really Odell Beckham Jr. Like there is a, a so, un, unmitigated, so low-lying, oh, yeah. like in the cockles uh, of your I hearts. Think, I think just... he's – and yet I'm the guy that loves me some T.O., and why is that, Dan? Right. Because T.O.'s out there uh, playing with a broken leg in the Super Bowl and playing well, carrying that team down the field, I might add. All right? So so for all T.O.'s nonsense, for all his I love me some me and working out of the front and all of his distraction, T.O. showed up on Sundays. T.O. always showed up, and T.O., when it was on the field, it was game time, and I'll take I'll go to war with T.O. anytime. And the fact that that guy's not in the Hall of Fame is just preposterous. You know, Terrell Davis is in the Hall of Fame, but T.O. is not in the Hall of Fame. And it's like three years now where he's got to wait to get in the Hall of Fame. And if you look at every wide receiver record for the most part, it's all Jerry Rice, right? And who's underneath? T.O. T.O., 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 T.O. All right? So enough is enough already. Put the man in the Hall of Fame. Ezekiel Elliott, 15 for 67 so far. Not bad. Jason Witten actually scored a touchdown. So the Jason Witten PPR machine keeps going. Six for 49 in this one. Williams with six catches for 68 as well. Des Bryant, just two for 43 so far, which is not surprising. We thought Bryant might have a tough night out there, and so far he has. But uh, Sterling Shepard was the other guy people were hoping might have a decent game with Beckham out. Seven for 44. So in a PPR, not awful, but, you know, if you, another guy, another first-round guy. So this week, Dan, you had Le'Veon Bell stink. You had David Johnson get hurt. You had Mike Evans not play because of the hurricane. Yet Odell Beckham not play because of uh, his leopard jacket was too heavy on his ankle. Uh, so really, I mean, it's been a tough week one for first-rounders, right? I would think so, and it's got to be a struggle. And, and NFL is, you know, we always talk about Major League Baseball being – 
variant, you know, you have all these pieces of, of data you're trying to figure out and you have batters who can go 0 for 4 on any given day. And um, football week over week can be really terrible. Injuries and uh, bad matchups, bad weather and uh, changes in, in one week can really sink your week when you have your first rounders throwing up duds. And uh, it's uh, I think John said it best and we, we preach it here on, on the shows we co-host together. You have to be patient. You, you did all this research, hopefully, uh, leading into your draft, and now you need to let that continue to be. You can't freak out and try to make big trades, or you need to be sound. And yeah, if you need to be bold, that's one thing. If you need, to, if you see your team needs to change, that's fine. Uh, but over time, you can't make these drastic changes just because of week one loss. Absolutely. All right, let's go to look at Monday night now. Tomorrow we got two Monday night games because, well, it's uh, it's opening week, so. First one we have is uh, Minnesota, uh, and they are hosting the New Orleans Saints. So I like Minnesota in this one. I like the defense. Uh, you know, Breeze is terrific. We all love Drew Breeze. I, I know the AP narrative will be fun. Uh, it's, this should be an entertaining game. I, I'm really looking forward to this. I'm looking forward to seeing Dalvin Cook. Uh, I think that the Vikings are going to be the surprise fantasy team. I think Bradford, another year there with the offense, with Thielen and Diggs, and now Dalvin Cook in the mix with a little bit more continuity, I think are going to do good things with that defense. And on the other side of New Orleans, you know, look, it's the same old show. You know, no Sneed, though, for a couple of weeks, but you expect that Drew Brees will continue to just be Drew Brees and find the open man. What are your thoughts on this one? You, you enjoying the AP narrative or what? I, I Adrian Peterson's one of those players, and this is uh, completely my own opinion. I just don't really care much about, like, after everything that happened in his past, and yes, his personal stuff, I don't track him much anymore. The narrative, I could care less. I, I think it's Mark Ingram's team still. I think Peterson will be fine there, but I, I really think Ingram ends up being just fine with New Orleans, as he always is, uh, as they bring in a variety of pass catching and, and change of pace backs. Now, AP has been one of the best running backs in, in the NFL for many years. Uh, he's older. Uh, he is uh, not uh, accustomed to this offense. It's not centered around him. Um, so I don't know. I don't know what happens in this matchup. I really like uh, going back to Drew Brees and going back to their pieces. Um, Vikings D is pretty good, though. So uh, you're going to try to figure it out if you're playing uh, DFS lineup where you can swap in or even playing on this two-game slate. You're going to mix and match and just try to find the highest upside guys. So uh, it will be a fun game to watch because I do think it will be uh, more scoring from the Vikings than we expect because Bradford is their quarterback. And I think potentially, uh, don't know how I just pronounced potentially, but uh, potentially. potentially. Uh, so I think it's because you're living potentially. up in uh, New England like four, too long. Exactly. Ah, they got four that potential. Yeah. Uh, the potential. Um, <laughs> Going to have a potty. Um, I, I think overall this game is the one of the two I'm, I'm most uh, excited to watch. The Denver game, I think, is going to be low scoring. Um, but uh, overall, I, I side with the the uh, Saints here. I think the Saints get a win here in a higher scoring game than is being projected. Um, but you could see some big outputs from the likes of Thielen and Diggs because that secondary is just so bad. Well, I'm hoping that you know week one continues to plot along as it has because I'd like to see that second game be high scoring and like turn everything on its head. Like I'd love to see that happen. Well, you figure it's a low scoring game in Denver, blah, blah, blah defense. But you know, the chargers defense is better than people give it credit for. I understand they've had some injuries. I get it, but healthy Keenan Allen, they've got a lot of weapons there. Melvin Gordon was very strong last year. Uh, you know, I would like to see, and not just cause I'm a Phil Rivers owner in a lot of super flex leagues, but I would really like to see that 
be a non like 16 10 kind of game like i would really like to see that be one of these at least a 23 21 type of thing where it's a feel-good kind of football game and you know the the nice part about the two games on a monday night is that if you know you're watching one it's the first one's kind of meh you maybe get that second one that's fun or maybe you get two back-to-back really good ones standalone games so you know i actually like the two monday night games i pose this to a lot of people i want to get your take on it dan would you prefer two monday night games every week and get rid of Thursday night football? Because I think the players would prefer that. How do you feel about that? I, I think I would prefer that. Uh, I think getting everything to Sunday, Monday, and, and having that be your your NFL week, college football, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, give me Sunday, Monday for NFL, and I'd be very happy. Um, I think that's a good call. And give me the West Coast team, much like we got in the NBA. We have all those West right. Coast games, baseball, same deal. Give me the early game on the West, uh, East Coast and late game on the West Coast. I'd be more than happy. I'll tell you what, if they go to a full, you know, like the 18 weeks or if they're going to you know, expand the season at all, I wouldn't be shocked if that's part of the caveat that they make. Because I think these Thursday night games, I think the players hate them, the coaching staff hate them, the short week, the travel, the preparation, the lack of recovery time, everything about it just stinks. But, you know, Monday night football, we're conditioned that, you know, it's Monday night, there's football on and to have a, an early game and a late game would be great, especially from a from a, a kid's point of view, because, you know, some of these games don't start till 8.30. A lot of kids are going to bed by then. But to have an, an early one that starts at, I don't know, 6 o'clock where you could watch the last couple, you know, the second half or something before you go to bed after dinner when your homework's done, I think that would be kind of a cool thing to do. You know, most kids have to be in bed by, you know, 9 o'clock when Monday Night Football really gets going. All right, let's look at week two uh, real fast here. We'll float through some of these games and we'll continue on in the next segment. Thursday Night Football, Texans at Bengals. Whoa. Boy, oh boy, how about that one, Dan? Texans, Deshaun Watson, I'm assuming, going into Cincinnati. Uh, I think it's going to be Cincinnati in this one on the bounce back. I'm going to take my chances there. Uh, I don't like the Texans traveling. How about you? Yeah, it's going to be ugly. Um, I think the Texans (laughs) defense is better than what we saw. But I think the Texans defense is better than what we saw in their game against... um, the Jaguars, uh, but I, I just think this is a game where that offense is going to get eaten up by the Bengals. It looks like a 16-3 to sort of final. It's, it's not going to be pretty. All right, the Bills are traveling to Carolina in Week 2. We'll, we'll see if uh, Shady McCoy and company can travel. That's a tougher defense. Uh, Panthers look pretty good today. I'd like to see a little bit more out of Cam Newton. I think the home cook in another week uh, you know, of recovery will do him well. So I like the Panthers in this one. I'm going to go with the home team. How about you? Yeah, I'm right there with you. Um, I don't see much of a reason to think uh, it doesn't go that way. The Bills are fine, but they they lost a lot of pieces. Um, so I think the Panthers probably win this one. Right now it's uh, Carolina minus 7.5. That seems about right. Probably goes up to about 9 before kickoff. All right. Well, everything is frozen here, so now I can't go back to the games that I want to preview with you because of the, the glories of technology. That's that's what we have here. So uh, I don't know if you have week two if you're going to – oh, look at that. See – Whenever you're in doubt, rally around the family. You've got to rally around the family. We're a pocket full of shells, baby. Every now and then, see good things happen. He's talking so, seashells. Seashells, exactly. Right. Seashells. Yeah, it's seashells. Right. So we're going to go walk on the beach. When we come back, we're going to finish week two rapid fire style and close out the rewind. You're listening right now to Fancy Sports Radio with Dan and Joe. We'll be right back right after this. All right, hopefully you're all staying alive with us and we enjoyed the show. 
I want to thank John Law for joining us. Of course, Kevin Walsh doing a fantastic job. And everybody there listening, whether you're listening on demand or live with us, it was great doing the first rewind. We got 16 more of these to go, kids. But let's try to run through week two. Bears going to the Buccaneers. I don't know about you, Dan, but uh, I'm thinking the Bucks will come out flat and then pull away in this one. How about you, Vikings-Steelers next week? You think the Steelers just roll over the Vikings at home? I don't know if they roll. I think this uh, Steelers defense isn't as good as it's been in years past. So I could see the Vikings hanging tight there, especially if Lev Bell has to shake some more rust off as the year goes on. All right, Cardinals, Colts, we already talked about. Patriots at Saints. Uh, hopefully Tom Brady and company will get back to their uh, high-scoring 4, ways. 4,000 points. Oh, yeah. So, so many shares. And like I said, now is the time to go buy Gronk and Tom Brady. Browns at Ravens. Hmm, that's going to be an intriguing one right off the bat because the Browns kind of hung tight there and the Ravens really were handed that game on a silver platter. How about Eagles at Chiefs? I, I think the Chiefs continue uh, to get off to a hot start here. I, You know, the Eagles defense, their secondary is pretty bad, so if Alex Smith is slinging it, like if that's who he is <laughs> now, then I could see My the Chiefs, Chiefs making this a, a bit of a bigger uh, blowout. But I think the Eagles hang tight here. I, I think the Chiefs win, but I think the Eagles keep it close. All right, Titans against the Jaguars. I think we all think the Titans will be the favorites in that one, clearly, and no Allen Robinson. Jets at Raiders. Lock it up, Oakland. Lots of Oakland shares next week, too. Uh, Dolphins at Chargers. Dolphins' first game in there. That will be a fun one to watch. Jake Cutler will finally take the field for the Miami Dolphins. Uh, but I, I don't know. Like, we'll see how the Chargers play. I want to like you know start getting too waxing poetic about the Chargers, but let's see how they do uh, out of the gate on Monday night. Cowboys at Broncos. Ezekiel uh, Elliott will be playing, I presume. I'm uh, assuming. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. 49ers at Seahawks. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we'll be a huge underdog, I imagine, in Seattle. So anything, of course. 12 and a half kind of... opening in line for that, yeah. Whoa, wow. Yeah, and uh, would you say they cover it? I would say they cover it. I well, Seattle's offensive line did not look good today. So no, but Seattle in that building. Yeah. I know, but Get twelve out. and a half is a big point total. I know, and that's then I'm, I'm not saying it lightly that I would take, <laughs> but uh, that's uh, that's what I think anyway. Uh, Redskins at Rams. You think the Rams can make it two and zero here, opening up another game at home here against the Redskins and Kirk Cousins having no idea where to throw the football. <laughs> did you I, watch I it i watched i got to watch here. a lot of that game Dan. i actually watched the it was one of the games on i watched a fair amount of that game and let me tell you moments wide open receivers missing receivers uh just all over just classic kirk cousins where he looks like just trash and we all know that the 300 yard games are coming this is like exact repeat of every kirk cousins season it's just he's one of those slow starters. You know, like those pitchers that are slow start pitchers. He's the Corey yep. Kluber of fantasy football. Oh, oh the Klubes. Oh, Packers at Falcons. 8.30 Sunday night game. Now, that's going to be a fun game. I kind of like the Packers traveling in this one, to tell you the truth. I know it's a Falcons opening at home, but I think the Packers are going to go in there and hand them their lunch. What do you think? I think so, too. I don't see this being a, a competitive one. You think the Falcons make the playoffs I, I think this year? Putting it out there. Do you think still a playoff team? I, I think there's the talent for it, but I feel like this is the Panthers from a couple of years ago. I, I think it's the, the Super Bowl hangover, and I think it's it's something that happens more Well, it's more not and just more. a narrative. Um, it's a real thing. You go look at the stats. The teams yeah. that lose, not yeah, just lose Super like, Bowls, but lose crushing Super Bowls, do not 
Well, usually even make further, the playoffs. Like, what the Pats do is insane, and I, I completely understand that because they're there every year. They're at least in the hunt. That doesn't happen. Like Some of these no. teams just get one injury, and they're gone. So I think that the, I think the Falcons are going to have a rough year, and I think the Packers can really lay one on them here. All right, Lions at Giants, Monday night football. Uh, no running games to speak of in this game whatsoever. No, Stafford so, goes nuts. Stafford's going to go nuts in this. Yeah, you like Stafford going nuts? Why? What is it about Stafford going nuts? What do you see there? I, it's the Giants. I just think it's the Giants defense that is not very good, and, and their secondary is not living up to what they need them to, and oh. I think uh, Kenny Galladay, get on board. Oh, there you board. go, baby. Giants defense overrated. Hot take from Dan Stafford. All right, that'll do it for us here. Thanks again for listening to the program. We'll be back next Sunday night with your Week 2 Rewind. That'll put this one in the books. We'll see you next week, kids.